Good morning. God is good. Amen. Treasure the treasure of the Lord. I love words. I love how it is that sometimes one word serves as both a uh, noun and a verb. Um, The swimmer was swimming. (laughs) The driver was driving. Worshippers are worshipping. Treasure the treasure of the Lord. You are a treasurer in one way or another. And the exhortation at the outset here I would like to bring for all of us is to treasure the treasure of the Lord. Now, this message is born out of my uh, studies for the the Meridian, and uh, I kind of hit a brick wall, a a dead end, uh, on one particular week about two months ago, six weeks ago, and I didn't know what to preach, and I had been in uh, Paul's letters to the Corinthians and uh, uh, this well-known passage from the Apostle Paul where he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And of course, right away I thought about the words of the Lord Jesus Christ where he says, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves uh, treasures on the earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then those wonderful words, it's like a proverb, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you spend your time thinking about? What fills your thoughts? Before you go to sleep at night, what's the last thing on your mind that you've been thinking about that's been occupying your attention? A relationship? Health? Financial security? Promotion at work? could be a thousand things. But where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And of course, our treasure in heaven, our treasure with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is getting at here is that he's explaining to the Corinthians that his ministry to them was given to them by the mercy of God. And even though he had strongly corrected them in his first letter, he still loved them deeply and wanted to reassure them in his love for them, and he wanted to comfort them. And so he tries to, in the first uh, nine chapters of 2 Corinthians, explain to them that he wants them to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Not just the glory of Christ, but the light in the gospel that brings us to the glory of Christ. And he wants them to understand the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Not just the glory of God, but the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that comes to us through that gospel, through knowing God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants it to shine in their hearts. That's why he talks about how unbelievers are blinded. That glory does not shine in their hearts. But for those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants them to understand that by the power of God, this is their treasure, this is their possession. And for the unbeliever, the way to come to that treasure and that possession is through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, my intention this morning is that uh, for us to understand that what God has given us in Christ would fill our thoughts and desires, and my hope is that we all would see and better appreciate the superior excellence of life in Jesus Christ. This, this light that we have, this knowledge of the Lord, this light of the glory of Christ, found in the face of Christ, that we would understand it better, which would then enable us to worship and to give thanks to God with greater joy and understanding. Isn't that right? We want to worship God with understanding. We want to know what we're worshiping, how we're worshiping, why we're worshiping, who he is that we worship, and as we worship him, we want to have joy about it. What a privilege to worship God, to be allowed into his throne with the heavenly host to worship him, to not be turned away from him, to have him not give us the back, that he would accept us because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is a treasure. Treasure the treasure of God. Now, from Scripture, we can define this English word treasure as that which is of exceptional value, something that is kept safe. That's the the thing, the noun. It's there with God in heaven. It's He's given it to us, and we have it. But we are also to keep safe that which is of great value. Build upon it. Add to it. We treasure up. That's why some translations say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on the earth. <clears throat> And the Greek behind the word treasure is where we get our English word thesaurus. I have a thesaurus on my bookshelf. I like my thesaurus. It's a treasury of word synonyms. And if you're looking for something, if you're trying to learn a little bit more about words, it is a great thing to have. And I enjoy messing with words. I like to put words in different phrases and yet say the same thing. How many different ways can you say the same thing? I enjoy that. drives my wife crazy, but I enjoy it. (laughs) So, from Scripture, treasure the treasure of the Lord. And I want to consider this uh, this morning in, in, in four different thoughts or points, and it's there in your outline. Um, The treasure of the Lord is promised by God, It is of the greatest value, it is secure, and it is in our hearts. Now, I'm going to give a lot of cross-references in Scripture texts, so for you note-takers, I will try to each time give you the reference that I'm talking about. Uh, If I forget, please forgive me. You can ask me later, or get out your Strong's Concordance and get to work. So first of all, The treasure of the Lord is promised by God. And I thought right away, we see this in the account of the rich young ruler, don't we, in Matthew chapter 19, when the rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, obtain eternal life? And he said, well, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. And he said, keep the commandments. Thou shalt not... Steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And the young man said, well, I've done all those things since my youth. What more do I lack? How can I be complete? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
<clears throat> and then come and follow me. But we know that the rich young ruler turned away from the promise of Jesus Christ. See, it's promised by God. If he had come, it's promised by God that that treasure would have been given to him. I hope later he did come around, but we don't know. We never hear from him again. Or recall Jesus' parables of the kingdom in Matthew uh, chapter 13, especially the kingdom of the tares and the wheat, uh, when uh, the master sows seeds in the field and, and then... Uh, the nightfall comes and his servants look the next morning and there's weeds in his field and growing up with the wheat. And they say, Master, what has happened here? And the master says, well, an evil one has done this. And then Jesus said, "Um, let them grow both together until the harvest. And then we'll separate the wheat uh, from the weeds because to do it now would be to tear up the good with the bad. And Jesus said then on that last day, and the righteous uh, in the day of the coming of the king, they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's part of the treasure as well. For the believer, the one who possesses his treasure on the last day, and this is a quote from Daniel 12 and verse 3, that the righteous will shine like the sun. This glory that Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 will suddenly not just be internal, it will burst out. And you will shine like the sun if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a wheat and not a weed, according to the kingdom of the parable. The kingdom parable there in Matthew 13. And then Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 61 and verse 10, he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God because he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So part of this treasure also is to have these robes or a robe for you personally, a robe of righteousness, a garment of salvation. This is a promise that the the Master gives to us, the Lord gives to us. This is this treasure that we have in clay vessels. It's an important part of the treasure, very important part of the treasure, because we learn later in the parable of another another kingdom parable, uh, when the king holds a feast for his son and invites many and prepares everything, and they are to come, and, but they don't come. They're all, so he sends his servants out he, he, to bring them. Come, my feast is prepared. But one goes off to his business, another goes on a journey, and then, and then uh, some other ones actually kill the, well, some of the servants that he sends to them, and the king becomes angry, and the king uh, says, I will destroy those wicked citizens of mine. And, and then he tells, which he does, and then he tells the servants, go out into the highways and the byways, and I will have, I will have attendance at my son's wedding, good and bad, whoever will come. Then the king comes to the wedding and looks upon the crowd there, and, and uh, he's looking at the guests, and he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And maybe you know what happens. The king said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. And the king said, take this man away. Take him away. He does not belong here. He has no wedding garment, and he shall be where they weep and wail and gnash in teeth, Jesus says there in in, uh, Matthew 22. 
This is why the Apostle John said, recording the words of the angel, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And these are the true words of God. To have a wedding garment, a robe of righteousness, and to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is what John's talk, uh, referring to in Revelation 19 and verse 9, uh, is, is the ultimate blessing. There can be no greater blessing than when life is over and history is done, that you should be seated at the Master's table. Uh, the kingdom of the universe, the God of the universe has invited you and he's given you the proper attire so you can be there. The robes of righteousness, garments of salvation, purchased by the Son of God himself for you. Now, only those who are followers of the Lord possess this treasure, these garments, uh, these privileges to shine like the sun in the kingdom of God. This treasure is exclusive to believers in Jesus Christ. And here I, I, I have to say these things, the, the great antithesis, the great division between followers of the Lord and those who refuse to follow the Lord. Only believers in Jesus receive these garments. It's free for believers, but it's not cheap. It was purchased at the cross by the life of the Son of God himself for all who believe in him. But yet we do sin as believers, don't we? We do sin as believers, and God has made provision for that. God has appointed his Son as our advocate to stand for us and his righteousness to be ours. God has given eternal life, and this life is in his Son, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So there it is. Do you have the Son? You have life. Do you not have the Son? You do not have life. Again, I think of the life that is ours through the light of the knowledge of God in Christ, the glory of God through the gospel of Christ. You see, there is also a treasury of God's wrath for those who do not believe, those who refuse to believe. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Um, we just learned about Romans chapter 1, that long list of sins that we learned about there last, last week. And, and then in chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, But you who judge others, uh, don't judge others. Don't you know that you do the very things? You see, we're all guilty as sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have participated in that list of sins somewhere, somehow. The only difference is perhaps that we're now redeemed by Christ. So do not judge another, because to judge another is to presume on the riches of the kindness of God's forbearance and patience, and not realizing that God's con- kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You see, when we see God's kindness... Those of us who are followers of Christ, we see it as a kindness and a goodness of God, and we have come to him and we believe in his son. But if unbelievers or or people in general do not see this as a kindness and a goodness, as God's forbearance and patience that should lead to repentance, then because of their hard and impenitent heart, they are treasuring up something for themselves. And Paul says that it is the wrath of God to be revealed on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So this is the great divide, the great antithesis. The treasure of the Lord is promised by God, a blessing 
eternal life for those who are followers of the Lord, the light of the knowledge of Christ in the gospel, shining in our hearts, and it's offered to the whole world. Anyone who will believe may have this. It is free of charge. You may believe and you may have this today if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you refuse, if you will not come to him on his terms, come to God on the terms of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other option for you other than the wrath of God stored up. And this is an active thing. The more unbelievers disbelieve, the more they sin, the more they're stirring up. Just as believers, the more they believe, the more they follow, the more they're storing up the treasure of blessing the treasure of the Lord. So first of all, we see that the treasure of the Lord is promised by God. Promised by God in Christ. And secondly, we see that the treasure of the Lord is of the greatest value. And again, we see this in the account of the rich young ruler. After the rich young ruler went away, Jesus said to them, it is easier to pass through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples said, well, who, who then can be saved? If, the rich, if a guy like him can't be saved, then who can be saved? An upstanding citizen, a moral person, a good person, keeps the law of God. Jesus said then, with man is impossible, with God all things are possible. And then Peter says, see, we have left everything, Lord, to follow you. What shall we have? What about us, Peter says, us, me and my fellow disciples, and Jesus says, truly, I tell you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit in his glorious throne, you, will have, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he's talking about the disciples there and what they shall receive. A great privilege, sitting on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And then Jesus says, and everyone, now that includes you and me, everyone, anyone, who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold, a hundred times over. That doesn't mean a, a rote and literal multiplied 100 times. If you lost 100 bucks, you're going to get a 1,000. Jesus is using hyperbole to say, whatever you give up, you will be abundantly blessed above and beyond Maybe not in this life, maybe in this life, but for certain in the next life. What you lose now is not worth comparison. And then on top of that, Jesus says, with eternal life. With eternal life. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you will live in God's blessing forever. And if you had nothing else, if I have nothing else, that's worth it all. It's worth it all. The inestimable treasure, the value, is of the greatest value. There is no, nothing that can be greater in value than this treasure. And we see this in Jesus' parables of the kingdom, Matthew 13 again, where the kingdom of heaven is compared to uh, a man who finds a treasure in a field. And he finds it and he covers it up and he goes and he sells everything he has all that he has, and buys the field because of the treasure in the field. And then in Matthew 13, 45, there's a merchant who's a, uh, a, 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 who deals in fine pearls, and he finds this one pearl, and he, and he quickly goes and sells everything he has because of the great value in the pearl, and he purchases it. And the thing you need to underline here is that they sell all that they have. 
And this is how we should estimate citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. It is worth selling all that you have. It is worth giving up everything in order to secure it. Citizenship in his kingdom is a portion of this treasure of the Lord, and it is of inestimable value. There is nothing greater in value. And this is why Jesus coming on the scene, his preaching was such a shock when he said, in Matthew, Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And that was his message. That was the message of his disciples during his ministry. And that was the message that the apostles and the church fleshed out and still fleshes out today. The time is fulfilled now. The kingdom of God is here now in Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. To believe is to turn to Christ. To repent is turn away from sin. To repent is what I'm getting at here. This means we leave everything behind, our agenda, our desires, our treasure, so that we might have this treasure in heaven, that we might be citizens in Jesus' kingdom. There is nothing more valuable. This is why Jesus also said in Mark chapter 8, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, Jesus said, will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in return or in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus here uses words of monetary valuation, profit and loss, forfeit, gain, exchange. What value to you is your soul? I'd say it's very valuable. You don't want to lose your soul. How valuable is the treasure of the Lord? Well, how precious is your soul? To possess the treasure of the Lord is to save your life, to keep your own soul. Isn't that interesting? You give up your life, you give up your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you leave behind the things that you have loved all this time, and it might be difficult. It might be hard. But upon doing so, all those things that you've been holding on to have fallen off now, and you still get to keep your soul. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think that uh, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And that's what we're about, right? We're trying to convince the world and unbelievers, friends and relatives, look, here's Jesus. This is what he offers you. Sure, you have to give up your sin, but your sin is killing you anyway. Come to the Lord. Believe in him. Nothing is more value. Naked we come into the world and naked we go out. When, they, when I was born, they slapped my little bottom and I didn't like it. When I'm going out, I'm not going to like it. But that's life. We come in naked and we go out naked. There was a funeral one time. A rich man passed away. And a couple of friends were talking about him. And he was a good man. Did a lot of good things for a lot of good people. Philanthropic, charitable donations helping out friends and family, died a rich man. And one friend said to the gentleman, well, how much did he leave behind? And the first man said, all of it. All of it. 
We come in naked, we go out naked. What could be more valuable than your own soul? The only thing we take in the next life is our own soul. So if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you're holding on to that is keeping you from Christ, whatever it is, it is not worth it. Let it go. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, which I trust, I hope all of you are, be comforted that your treasure is secure, which leads us to our next consideration. The treasure of the Lord is promised by God. It's of the greatest value, and the treasure of the Lord is absolutely secure. It's kept for followers of Jesus Christ in heaven where God dwells. It cannot be lost. What could be more secure than to have something kept for you at the throne of God with the creator of the universe himself? And that's why Jesus said in uh, Matthew 6, our text, one of our texts, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on the earth. In heaven, moth or rust can't get there, thieves can't break and steal, but on the earth, it's risky. Or Matthew Chapter 19, where we've considered already the uh, rich young ruler. He promised that man that if he sold everything he had and came and followed him, he would have treasure. He would have treasure in heaven. The treasure of the Lord is so secure that a thief, if he wanted to try to steal it, he would need to do it when God was not looking, or God was asleep, or he just wasn't paying attention, distracted somehow. Or if God was watching, it would be necessary to literally overthrow God himself to take God off the throne in order to steal the treasure of the saints. It's secure. You cannot lose it. And I think this is why Peter says in his opening chapter of his first letter in verses 3 through 5, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, as he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, and I, I equate the inheritance and the treasure, this inheritance reserved for us, um, includes everything that God offers his people, everything that he is to his people. That's our inheritance. The Old Testament speaks of it as our, our portion, our lot. I believe Psalm chapter 16 speaks of this that way. Uh, but this inheritance that Peter is talking about is the same as the treasure in clay vessels that we have that Paul is speaking of. And what what does Peter say about it? This, This inheritance, this treasure, is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable. It won't go bad. Like Jesus said, it won't rust. It won't be corrupted. You won't come back to it and find it half gone because of rust or erosion or anything. It's undefiled. That means it's pure. It's not compromised or tainted by sin. In order to be in God's presence, it is holy. It is of God. It's unfading. It will not wear out like the image on an old coin. If you've ever had an old coin and you notice how the I have some silver dollars in a drawer in my office, and one of them is from 1898. Uh, it's pretty cool, but you can't you can't see the face anymore. <laughs> it's wore out. It's faded out like an old coin. This treasure will not fade away. It is kept, <clears throat> Peter says, 
in heaven for you. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's your treasure. It has your name on it. There is a treasure right now for you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that has your name on it, and God is keeping it for you. It is kept by God. It is secure. You cannot lose it. And I don't know, that's an encouraging thought to me, to think that, that, that this is actively there right now in glory for me. Just as you can't be separated from the love of Christ, so also your treasure is secure in the presence of God. Romans 8.35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall famine, shall nakedness, shall, shall uh, deprivation and affliction? No. <clears throat> I am confident that we're all more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ, through him who died for us. This is so secure, so secure. And this is true in what Jesus says in John 14 as well. He told his disciples as he was about to leave, he says, um, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and I'm going to go now, but if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself where I am, then you shall be also. So Jesus is there, he has this treasure, and he's going to come and he's going to get you one of these days, if you're a follower of his, and he's going to take you, and he's going to bring you there, and he's going to give you your treasure. You're going to see it for all it's worth, and you're going to realize that everything you went through in this life pales in comparison. He's preparing a place for you, and in this place, the treasure of the Lord waits for you. So if you struggle with doubt over how God views you or his attitude as he relates to you, I hope this understanding of all that God has done and is doing for you in Christ will bring comfort to your heart. That God thinks of you so highly, uh, a sinner like me, to such a degree that he would go to this effort to, to do this for me and to do this for you, to do this for all of God's people. When you're tempted, you need to know that Jesus Christ will not give up his preparation for you upon your entrance into the place that he's prepared for you. When you stumble into sin, and God will not discard this imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance that he has reserved for you by his power. And as I mentioned earlier, we do sin, but God does not forsake us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we sin, the Apostle John says in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, I am writing to you so that you might not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So take heart, saints. Take heart, followers of the Lord. And if you're not a follower of the Lord, I pray that you would be, because this is here for you if you will put your faith in the Lord Jesus. And it will only cost you your sin. It will only cost you what is destroying your life. It will only cost you that which separates you from God. So we see that the treasure of the Lord is promised by God. It's of the greatest value, and it is absolutely secure. And that's wonderful. Treasure in heaven, God doing all these wonderful things. But I think it's also important for us to uh, focus on a bit here that the treasure of the Lord is also in our hearts. And I think this is a great mystery. That the treasure of the Lord reserved for God's people, this light of the glory of Christ through the gospel, the light of the knowledge of God in Christ, um, is in heaven, 
but also it's in our hearts. It affects our lives now, today. And I have to go back to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.7, that we, we, we have, we possess as a possession um, this treasury full of blessing in, in clay vessels. There's a variety of ways that that's translated, but I really like clay vessels. Um, clay is from the earth, right? A vessel is something that is a container that holds something, or pot, or whatever you want to call it, but you get the idea. Uh, it's weak. He's talking about the believer's body and soul. Clay is of the earth. It's easily broken. Too much water and it'll turn to mud. Too much pressure or impact and it will return to the dust from which it came. But we have this treasure in these clay vessels. Uh, In order to show, or that we would see, the surpassing greatness or the super excellence is the word that I, I came across and one, uh, one book that I read, the super excellence of this power. There's no greater power. This is the power of God, that this, this power, this super excellent power, and that's the, the Greek word where we get our word dynamic. Uh, it's an active working power that's within us right now. It's the basis for our word uh, dynamite, or, um, dynamic. Uh, this, this power, this super excellent power is with us and in these clay vessels and it belongs to God and not to us. But I like to put it this way. It is of God, and it is not of us. We could never come up with this. There's no way we could ever earn our way to heaven. We, we were created in God's image, but we lost that privilege to be in God's presence in the garden. But now, through this treasure, we have been restored this power to approach God, but not only approach God, to go further and to be with God and shine as sons of righteousness forever with Him. And we have it now. We have it now. It is of God. It is not of us. It is this super excellent power, this dynamic act of working of God in our souls. And when Paul says these things, I think he has in mind the words of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 6 again, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, treasure up, thesaurus up, uh, store up um, this treasure. Where do we treasure it up? Not on the earth, rather in heaven. Okay, but Hank, you're just saying it's here with us. Yeah, because he says to treasure it up for yourselves right now. This is something you can actively be involved in. Um, And this is where this word thesaurus or thesauron in the Greek is both a verb um, and a noun. But the verb has two voices. All verbs have two voices, active and passive. Think back to your uh, English grammar days. Um, The active voice of this verb, I am to lay up treasure or to treasure up. The passive voice, my treasure is laid up for me by God. Sanctification, I lay up or treasure up. Justification, my treasure is laid up by God. God does it for me. He justifies me. I am to cooperate with God in sanctification, to grow in the knowledge of Christ, of the light of the gospel of grace in the face of Jesus Christ. 
And this is only possible through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I'm reminded of Paul's words in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8 and verse 11, where Paul says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Mortal. Okay, Paul talks about the flesh, but when he talks about the flesh in Romans chapter uh, 6 and 7 and chapter 8, he's talking about that, that union of body and soul that we have as humans, that created by God. But here, I think he's referring to our, the, the meat and the blood and the bones. The Spirit dwells in my mortal body. He dwells in your mortal body through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the mystery that I don't understand. All I can do is state it and read it and take it in, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within this mortal body. And every believer is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And every believer, the divine, indwells the mortal. That's amazing. That's amazing. And in this coming into the kingdom, being justified by God and brought in. Then from that point forward, we work out our own salvation uh, with fear. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, work out, on your, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yet it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The new life we are given by the Spirit animates us gives us dynamic power to treasure up the treasure of the Lord. It is our animating force. It is not the force of Star Wars. This is the force of the Spirit of God, all right? It's not, may the force be with you, but may the Lord be with you, is the right thing to say. Not to say that if you like Star Wars, that's bad or anything, but uh, we watch Star Wars. But uh, it always bothers me when they say, may the force be with you. I, you know, come on, you know. <clears throat> but how does this work within us? Well, we experience this when we walk by faith and not by sight, don't we? When we believe that God is at work in our lives, when we believe that he sees us and he knows us, when we believe the word of the Lord in the face of doubt, I want to do this thing, but God's word says, thou shalt not. So I know it's the best thing for me to avoid that and to steer away from that. That is the work of the Spirit in your life. When we say no to sin because we know it would hurt us or dishonor the Lord or hurt those we love. When we live by the golden rule to do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. Or when we heed the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 22 when he summarizes the law and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So when you, against all reason it seems, love God, even though your life is falling apart and you call upon God and when others are telling you to to do something, and why do you believe in this or go to this church when you continue to walk by faith and love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself? You are fulfilling the law of God, but how can you do that? It's impossible to fulfill the law of God perfectly. We know this, but yet at the same time, we have been given this gift, this treasure, so that 
at least we can try to please God. (laughs) We can try to live by the Ten Commandments. We're not trying to earn our salvation, but we want to please God. He has given us this great treasure. He dwells with us and in us and around us, above us, below us. And we walk in the Spirit, and we treasure the treasure of the Lord. And as we do, our assurance of His love grows more and more. His promises, the promises He has made to us, grow into more and more of a reality. And this goes along with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, that in Him, in Christ, you who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in Him and were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 And this Holy Spirit, this promise of the Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance. There's that word again. And we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. See, this is not to glorify ourselves, this treasure. God gives us this treasure, this knowledge of Christ and the glory of God in the face of Christ, because it glorifies Him. And we use this gift, this treasure, and we walk with the Lord so that people might see and know that there is a God in heaven and He is worth following. He is all of life to us. He is all of blessing to us. There is is nothing worth holding on to that would keep us from having the blessing that He can give. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. It's in our hearts. We are living, walking temples of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that, doesn't he? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know? It's almost like, come on, guys. (laughs) But he's talking to me because I forget sometimes too. We're all weak, and we all go up and down in our knowledge of these things. But it's good to be reminded of this. It is good for our souls. So let me conclude by saying that the treasure of the Lord is promised by God. The treasure of the Lord is of the greatest value. The treasure of the Lord is secure. The treasure of the Lord is in our hearts. How do you obtain the treasure of the Lord? Well, again, I come back to the antithesis I was talking about earlier. Only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's exclusive for those who are followers of His. If your heart is hard and you do not want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you turn away from the promised blessing just like the rich young ruler did, then you shall not have the treasure of the Lord. Then there is another treasure being stored up for yourself that you are storing up, whether you know it or not. But we pray and hope that if you're not believing in the Lord Jesus, that you would come, that you would believe, and that you would know the joy of possessing this treasure. That's how you obtain it. It's through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But I'm trying to believe. How do I believe? Go to God and ask him. Do you want to believe? Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? The Apostle John said that anyone who comes to the Lord Jesus, Jesus will not turn you away. If you call upon the Lord Jesus and ask him for help, he'll help you. He'll help you believe. He'll help you with your doubt. If you're a believer already and you're having trouble, having a hard time believing, having doubts, trouble in life, go to him. He'll help you. Because he said, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Put aside your own agenda. Give your life to Christ. Give your soul to Christ, and he'll give it right back to you. The only thing you're going to lose is your sin. But we have this treasure in jars of clay and clay vessels in order to show that the super excellent power belongs to God and not to us. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, such riches are more than we can take in. There are, we have looked today at a few things that you have promised that are of great value, that are secure, that we have now in our hearts through faith in the Lord Jesus, but there are many, many more things we could point out and seek and, and say and meditate on. We thank you, Lord, that just for this brief time together, we can see and understand such blessing. We thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.